everybody, we are back for another week of Mega Shade. Yes, we are back. What's going on? I hope, I hope some good stuff for a lot of people. But I know it's been a crazy week so far, you know, with life and all that good stuff. How about what's going on in your life? Okay, so I have a little story to tell. <laughs> all right, so everybody sit down, you know, Indian style in a circle. So, back in November, I told y'all I was going to uh, Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Went to Las Vegas. So prior to that, there was me, my partner, and another couple. Mm-hmm. Now, in the summer, I had paid for the hotel room by myself. And everybody was supposed to pay me back, right? My boyfriend <laughs> paid me back. The others, they didn't pay me back. I was like, you know what? I know times is tough. Let me give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I feel like let's just wait until the trip is over. We can, uh, you know, negotiate terms on payment. You can even pay me back in installments. Say cool. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Trip's going. I was like, okay. November, uh, December comes. Christmas comes. I was like, I ain't seen no kind of payment. So, you know, I send them a little friendly text. <laughs> and I get a text back. I, I say, oh, you know, when can I expect payment? When's the ETA? They say, when I get a job. <laughs> That's not I said, okay. That's not so, <laughs> it ain't, but it is. <laughs> so, this money ain't never gonna come. They say, when so, I get a job. So, you know, fast forward to, <laughs> I think last week, you know, I'm minding my business at work doing, trying to do some work. My boyfriend texts me a little snapshot of Facebook, and this is what it said. This is for uh, what the one of the other party members of the other couple said. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't believe it! I'm going to Scotland in June. Mm. How, how are they going to Scotland? Who's paying exactly, for the exactly. trip? You, t- you tell me. Who's like who's zooming who? <laughs> And I was like, okay, so this is odd. So you have trip, you have money for like, I don't know, a twelve hundred dollar ticket, but you don't have my measly three three hundred and some odd dollars. <laughs> okay. So I wrestle with the fact of, you know, should I or shouldn't I call him out on Facebook? And my petty started to give in, and you know, I was like, mm-hmm. I might not even see the money anyway. So let's have some fun with it. Yeah. So I put a little status on it. I don't know if you saw it or not. I put a little status on it. I think I saw it, but go ahead. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's funny that, you know, you have money for an international <laughs> flight, but you ain't got my money from back in November. For domestic. Then somebody, I'm messy. <laughs> then somebody else commented saying that they didn't take care of any dogs. And somebody else commented that they didn't get some stuff that they bought. Hmm. So, basically, everybody was reading him for filth. And not 10 minutes after that post was up, I was like, I got a text. Oh, I don't appreciate you busting me up on Facebook. Yada, 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 this, that, the third. I said, well, bitch, better have my money. Well, I was saying, run me your money. Because how you going to sit around and talk about you going somewhere, but you ain't paid everybody back. And then I'm mad. Because you opened up the door and everything just fell out. Everything just fell Listen, everybody was gathering edges, baby <laughs> like, hairs. It was like, come to think work. of it, I ain't got my money back for when I bought that Alize. Come to think of it, we went to McDonald's, right. you didn't give, I had to buy your meal. 
Where my fries? Was, uh, when it was for free before eleven, and we got there at eleven oh one. Um, so <laughs> come to find out, oh, Lord. I get another text like the next day. Oh, do you have a PayPal set up so I can start sending you payments? And the next day after that, I get a payment of fifty dollars. <laughs> it's a start. It's a start, but I'm like, that's you got five more payments to go. <laughs> You have five more payments to go, and I should charge you interest. Don't ever fuck with my money ever again in your life. That's true. Don't be talking about you going somewhere new. You ain't paying somebody back. I mean, well, we well we kind of do that anyway. We supposed to be paying bills, but we talk about going somewhere, and that's so that's different. But if you owe somebody money, you can't right. you can't like, be gallivanting around. Oh, we about to go over to Spain. I'm like, well, bitch, right. you can owe me two hundred dollars. So. It's one thing, you know damn well you ain't gonna pay Sally May back. That's a that's a whole entirely yeah, yeah, different that's, story. That's the truth, you know. But if you don't owe Ray Ray down the street for like twenty dollars for y'all supposed to get some Chinese food on one day when you was feeling froggy, yeah, like that's a whole different story. People need to start showing up like, oh, they owe me $200 and they go on a trip. Well, they, you should show up right in their front yard with your bags packed. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. well, I'm going too. You know, since this is, I, I look at the numbers and they see if you owe me $200, then that means that that can be part of this trip. And I'll be there for three days mm-hmm. instead of seven. So how about that? I should charge him interest while I'm playing. Yeah. Folks sure. always do that. I had a little bit of a of a interesting thing. So, uh, so how are you? Oh, I'm good. Uh, I, but you know, you know, you know how gays can be petty and, and messy. Yes, and, and so right now, um, so I've been hanging out with this guy. I've, been, I've said it last week. His name is David. Those who saw, who follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you probably already seen it, and Instagram, you probably already seen it. Um, well, apparently, he has some admirers, and one of them. <laughs> one of them was mad because I guess he didn't get chose, so he wasn't chosen. He met David before me, and so he thought he was gonna be somebody, but you know he met me. He mad because he didn't get the rose. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get the rose. <laughs> and so this bitch turned around and starts saying, "Well, he said, well, I heard that Victor was a hoe." I'm like, "What? I'm trying to tell him about me being a hoe?" He showed me the text. I heard he was a hoe, and he went to this party and everything else. So I was like, when did I go to this party? And then, so Dave was like, when did he go to this party? He put the date. And so we, so I turned back around, and <laughs> po- I, I gave David this, like, oh, at this date? Mm, well, I was in um, Seattle that week, so. And then, I, and then Dave was like, oh, he was in Seattle, because here's this picture of him right here in Seattle at this day. And luckily, there's the time right there. I'm like, hmm. Okay, but I'm, just, I'm like, look at this. Hey, I said, this is some high school petty mess. We are 40-plus men, and somebody's already trying to... I was like, I said, I applaud you for trying to take back the night and try to say, <laughs> but let me tell you, no. If he don't want you, he don't want you. And that, you know, that... That, I just felt like that was a Jerry Springer moment. I was like, really? He's going to go around and call me a hoe? I don't even know who this man is. But he's like... That was... See, that was awesome. Somebody trying to bust up your party. Trying to. I'm like, well, whatever you were doing wasn't good enough. But you I don't... Was, you wasn't man enough for him, Tony Braxton. And then what was so funny was he kept texting like, oh, what are you up to? And then David was like, well, I'm in NoHo. And so I'm in NoHo right now having a great time. We're going skating. We went skating this weekend, which was really fun. That was very exciting. So like yeah, rollerblading or no, like roller like, skate, like real roller skates, not that 
90s mess, like real roller skating. Went roller skating, that was fun. Actually, he you know, he was excited because he hasn't been roller skating since he was a kid. And, you know, I'm thinking he's going to fall and I'm going to be, you know, really good at it. And it's the other way around. I didn't fall, but I'm like, Lord, I have forgot how to skate. He's in a paternal circles doing backwards. I just felt like I, I was just inadequate. So David was trying out for Starlight Express again. He was. <laughs> <laughs> but Lord, but, you know, but it, it was a good time. So, but I would recommend if y'all haven't been roller skating in a while, y'all need to go back, find a skating rink and just go and be free. And enjoy. And I also recommend getting your money up front. (laughs) Yes, like we're not going on this trip unless until I get all this money. So therefore, we all have a good time and then be back up because if something goes wrong, somebody get arrested or something like that, you got bail money already. And I'm not the one to bust you out on Facebook, you know. Mm -hmm. But I figure you've had ample enough time Mm -hmm. to say, "Hey, you know, times are tough." You know, I'm trying to make do or something. Give me some kind of notification that you still acknowledge this debt that you owe. Not just saying that <laughs> you depend on the kindness of strangers mm-hmm. and you just gallivanting, doing, thinking you, this is National Lampoon's vacation. <laughs> you, the uh, Griswolds, just going all up and through the United States of America. I know. And they're going to try to go out of country and pay, pay nobody some money yet. So that's... <laughs> Right. If I wanted to, I would tell all his business, but you know. No, you know, no. Save it, save it, save it. Right. The Lord is working on me. Yeah, you have to. That you pulled that. You pulled that book out. Right. (laughs) You did another day, but I'm still mad the fact that as soon as you put your post, people start (laughs) come running down. Well, well, by the way. And another thing. (laughs) Oh Lord. Well, (laughs) that's our crazy lives, people. Um, but now we'll get the Aunt May's tea, which is interesting because it wasn't a lot of stuff, but then it was kind of some stuff and mostly from the Oscars, but, um, just some little things that was interesting, um, that just kind of popped up was this whole, did you see this story about the HBCUs and, and Trump and Carrie Ann sitting on the couch with her feet on the like, have you seen that picture? I saw that picture. I was like, girl, what are you doing there? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's the official photo. That's what hurt my feel. Like, this is not official. This is... Oh, God. See... This is, this is the fourth picture that don't get used. I know she wasn't shit when she had her feet up on somebody's couch like that. Yeah, I was like, that's... That's trifling. That's what no home training does for you. I was there like, okay... And then she's on her phone too, so she's not even trying to be engaged. And then Betsy DeVos talking about how HBCUs are the pioneer of choice schools. <laughs> I'm like, girl, that's not that's girl. They had no choice. I don't even know. Like they had no choice. They had to make these places because apparently y'all didn't want us in school. You didn't think we needed to be educated. So we had to create you know I can't wait. I can't wait till till this this presidency is over. So let's just let's just hope that something goes wrong. Let's hope that Papa Pope pops out of the picture somewhere and just say, you know, you right. do something. Mama Pope come back. Somebody something something happens. I I'm, need uh, Rowan to activate those B six B six thirteen sleeper agents and. <laughs> 
get to town. Yeah. Or something. Scare him to death to the point where it's like, I'm going to quit. Like, good. Quit. Right. <laughs> quit. But I don't know. It, but before we get into Oscars, is anything else popped up? Because I just feel like there was this. Um, we usually don't talk about uh, hip hop and whatnot. But mm-hmm. did you hear uh, Remy Ma's diss to Nicki Minaj? <laughs> I did. And I mean, Yikes. it was. That's a lot. But you know, Twitter is quick to respond. You know, you can. Because they, they ripped on every bar that she had. Uh-huh. So everything. We talked about her, you know, not having. Put, you know, having a fake butt. They show pictures of her before she had it, and I was like, "Oh my god, I didn't even know that." I mean, I knew it was fake, but I didn't know it was like that. And I was like, "Oh my god." Her ass looked like a saltine cracker. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow!" And then I think Nikki was trying to talk about her record sales. I'm like, "Let's talk about your record sales because then that's nothing to talk about, though. Those are C level record sales." So I don't know. <sighs> yes. yes let's- Let's do talk about the record sales because <laughs> Remy is on what Emmy's an independent label, yeah, right? I think so. So she owns her masters. Mm. So when once Remy broke it down as she did, it made sense. Mm-hmm. And Remy not only went after her in terms of record sales, she went after her in terms of supporting her brother, who was an alleged. Uh, I don't know if it's. They went to court, yeah, a pedophile. I was like, oh, once she went there, I was like, yikes, this, I did my insert Missy Elliott's voice. This is a serious man. Yeah, and I don't know, I I don't think she needs to come back with anything. I think Nikki just needs to just take this L like her ex did. Well, he didn't take it well when Trey came for him, but she didn't take this L because I feel like Nikki needs to realize that she is not untouchable. You know what I mean? Like, I said, yeah, you work with Beyonce, and Beyonce gave you a little bit of cover. But that that shield is is, is weak. And so, you know... Right. I don't think Nikki can come back from that, because that was just... She referenced everything. Yeah. She even made a diss on her own when mm-hmm. she was saying that she was a love in hip-hop. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't see how Nikki can come back for that. She's just gonna say... Um, you're right, and then just keep it moving. Yeah, that's all she can. That's all she can do. Just keep it moving. Just move on. Somebody tweeted, I don't know who it was, but they tweeted, "I didn't know L's were uh, sexually transmitted diseases," and yeah. I fell oh out. Oh my god! <laughs> I see y'all are so rude. <laughs> they are. They are. But Lord, I mean, I I heard I saw it all this weekend, and I was like, this is this is just not going to go away. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be covered by other podcasts too. So I hope that she just, just move on and, and start working on a new album that's worthy because I feel like Nikki's music, it, it just don't, it don't carry through, you know? I remember like when she first came out, like some of her mixtapes were really good, mm-hmm. but then when she got famous, she got like almost manufactured yeah it, it just felt like okay you're just doing to do it and then i hate when she was that euro trash music which I, oh yeah that, that dance uh, music that blah, 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 blah. I, I hate yeah. I, it's like it's like it's that it's the white house music like there's house music and there's that white house music and i hate it uh-huh. david gaffa i hate it i hated him i hated his type of stuff but i feel like that's all we were getting and then she was putting these songs out and i'm like why and then she was looking like 
she escaped from strawberry shortcake land with these wigs and colors and i just i can care less i, I just, it was a lot it, it stays a lot but you know what nikki that this is a lesson for you uh, hopefully you get yourself together and give us a real album that is worthy of time uh, and worthy of people paying attention to because usually your albums bore me i tried i try but they kind of bore me. I actually like Azealia, and I hate to say this because I don't anymore, but I actually like Azealia Banks' stuff over hers. Because I feel like you Whoa. get, that you get, that <laughs> before, you know, before Azealia started, you know, running off at the mouth, um, I felt like her music was just stronger and more innovative than Nicki's. So, and I still kind of say that now, so. I would, yeah, I would definitely pick like 1991 or, uh, I don't know, luxury over some of the shit that Nikki has put out yeah yeah oh did you see and i and i speaking of a little quick news today youtube <laughs> what youtube's trying to do they're trying to have like a 35 dollars a month tv service yeah so youtube is uh doing some kind of streaming service mm-hmm. much like slang or PS View or you know some of the other streaming services um, I saw some of the channels that they were trying to um, have under just distribution like FX USA mm-hmm. some other channels uh, in addition to some content on specific to YouTube I don't know if that's have to watch right I don't know if that's <laughs> gonna do well they mm-hmm. said like a uh, over maybe almost 10% of people have been trying to cut the cord as far as getting rid of their cable subscription, mm-hmm. which are too too damn high. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to go. That might be something to watch for. Yeah, I saw it, and I was like, you know, it could work. They're trying to be in, you know, they're trying to, you know, play up with DirecTV Now and Sling and then Roku as well as the Fire Stick, Amazon Fire Stick, which they will not beat. Um, but they're really trying up. And I know they're trying to really push their their red channel. But some of those, but, you know, as long as they have that Dewey Pie or Doodoo Boo or whatever his name is, and, you know, as long as they have people like that, they can forget it because ain't nobody want to subscribe to somewhere where they got some anti-Semitic fool running I think they mouth. did drop him. I think they dropped him. Well, they need or to drop him. at least I hope no, I think he still has his channel or something. I'm like, they need to let him go. Because I feel like when you lose Disney, you lost everything. Because <laughs> if you can't keep... If you, right. Disney owns everything already. So I feel like that if you lost them, bitch, you just lost everything. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to wait to hear more about this. But it was just something interesting to come out. Because I've been thinking about getting rid of my cable. Because $228 a month is not... Oh, my God. Yes. And that's what I'm paying, and I'm not really feeling that because I think of all other things I can do with that money. So part of me is thinking that I can probably do Amazon Fire Stick, and that's like less than $100, and I can still watch myself because I only watch, like ABC is what I really watch. When I think about any of the other channels, ABC is the only channel I watch because of Scandal and How to Go Away with Murder. But, but everything else is cable for me, and if I can look at, if I can still have HBO, and have my Bravo and my FX, then I'm good. I'm almost good. Right. I did have P- uh, PlayStation View for a while. Mm-hmm. And then they, I don't know why, they just dropped me as a subscriber. And then when I tried to get back on, a lot of the channels that I like, most like Logo, so I can watch Drag Race, mm-hmm. like they had got rid of a lot of the Viacom mm-hmm. channels. 
I was like, okay, so that's weird. Because, uh, then I went to, right now, I'm using Roku. Yeah. And I, then I have uh, Netflix and Hulu. So, mm. I mean, that'll do for now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm realizing now that sometimes I just like stuff in the background. Um, like, I'm not really watching it. Like, for example, Magic Mike XXL will come on. I'm not watching it, but I like it in the background. But it will be on. But I'm not, like, sitting there watching. So I don't know. You know, it's it makes you really think about do you really need cable? And if you do, what do you really want to watch? So I'm kind of glad these companies are now realizing that we can give you what you want versus paying for all these channels and you're not really watching them all. Right. You get, like, a cable subscription 200 channels and you might watch maybe 10 of those channels <laughs> that's true but let's just kind of mosey on into the oscars because oscars kind of took over it's still taking over as we are living and breathing right now um <laughs> it was so much that happened sunday night um to the point they blocked off a damn street had to take another street to get through town but that's okay um for those who don't know i do live in the in the los angeles area and when these things happen it affects us royally like we go through it because it's like traffic gets stopped up craziness happens everything is going on people are not paying attention to what they do when they cross the street they're trying to get over there to see the stars so it's crazy for us so ugh. <laughs> 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 but but I don't know. You want to get started with kind of the red carpet? Who you thought that looked good? And yeah, let's do that. I think I have a list of like top five best dress. Okay. Um, first off, I think Janelle Monae looked good. She was wearing Ellie Saab. Yeah, that I, I that, that reminded me of if the Ark Android were going to mm-hmm. the Met Gala. Mm-hmm. It was very futuristic. But also Afro Central. Yeah. I like it. I like the way that look I like I like that the big bust of the bottom. I love that. It was just something about it. And the Af- and it I wanna say like the African look in the middle, you know, it had that, that, that look to me. And I really thought it was great. It was something new and different and it just changed the game for me when it comes to women. Um women in the dresses that they wear at these things so I I love that that was my favorite one that was my favorite one mm-hmm. I think Jessica Biel she was wearing Kaufman Franco mm-hmm. she looked pretty good uh, it was um, I think it was gold I want to say yeah and it was very uh, form fitting to her body and look she looked really good mm. who were some of yours uh, well, I look up at your picture of her well, I like um, I like Brie Larson's dress. So it was something about I like the ruffles of it, the way it looked, in certain parts. I liked it when it, on the, when it was on the red carpet. It was kind of simple, and I kind of liked that. I did like Viola oh, <laughs> Viola Davis dress. Can't even say her name. And it, it was to me it was very it was very simple. It really complemented her skin tone. Um, it was just beautiful, and I like those colors on her when she does that because it just really makes her skin pop. And that melanin just it just makes you want to put it on for you. Like I'm like, oh my god, can I be, can I have this right. skin tone? Uh, go ahead. I did like the the shoulders uh, when it was off the shoulders, mm-hmm. uh, and that color it did make uh, Viola's skin like very good. Mm-hmm. And that some people don't like when you're wearing red on red, but mm-hmm. she looked good in Armani Privé. She did. 
And I, I want to say this because some of y'all were being rude. But y'all better leave Miss um, Barry's wig alone. Because I like that. <laughs> that that shake and go wig? <laughs> now, see, okay, so let's get into Hallie's wig real quick. <laughs> Hallie's wig. <laughs> Somebody said. Somebody said Hallie's wig looked like uh, off the Dream Girls when uh, Beyonce said turn the wigs around. <laughs> oh my God! It just look. It looks like you remember. You know how if you're sweeping and you find like a why, dust bunny why and it's, be, it's like mutated. Why it has it, to be like that? Why? Somebody said her uh, um, her stylist wanted something asymmetrical. I was like, there wasn't nothing asymmetrical about that wig. Nothing. I I like the dress. The wig it, it gave me a little bit of it was spunk and I and I and I appreciated that. It could have been toned down just a little bit, but or she could have gave us a good oversweep type of hair with this dress. Like if it you know, something, give us some long hair. She never really give us long hair anymore, so maybe that. But I'm I, I'm going to, I'm going to support her in this wig um, just because I feel like, you know, Hallie is usually, like, the, like the, that dress she gave us two years ago was beautiful. Um, that kind of that, that metal silver looking outfit. Yeah, that liquid metal. Yeah. Yeah. I just, if she was going to wear a wig in L.A., <laughs> I've seen, there's so many wigs. She could go to West Hollywood, ask for a queen to borrow a wig right quick. I'm I'm only going to use this for like tonight, and then I can give give you it right back. Like, it didn't have to be that bad. No. And why does she wear a wig anyway? Like, she has good hair, or she has edges, right? Yeah. You know what, I... You know, maybe and maybe she was trying to support Vivica A. Fox. You know, Vivica had some wigs at one point. Maybe she was trying to, like... Because, you know, she said, you know, when she won her Oscar, she, she referenced Vivica A. Fox and Jada Smith. Maybe she was trying to, like, you know, pay homage, <laughs> pay homage to this wig, her wig line, her first round of wigs. Um, so, yeah, this was kind of the, you know, this is kind of... I didn't know what to name this wig, but if I, you know, if I was going to wear this wig, this would probably be my, um, you know, I got the manager job at HR wig. And so this would be my HR management. Yeah, my HR management wig. That's what it would be my uh, step into the bad side. (laughs) (laughs) But I want y'all to leave her alone. I saw y'all coming for her. I'm like, leave. Hallie and her wig along. I'm I'm here for it. I'm gonna stand for it. Well, I was only one, but that was okay. I was fine being only one at night. <laughs> a couple of my other best dress was uh, Taraji P Henson. Yeah, that she was. She was wearing uh, Alberta Ferrari. Yeah. Or I mean Ferretti. Uh, and I like the uh, the dip mm-hmm. uh, and ha- how she was showing cleavage. Mm-hmm. Uh, she always she usually always looks good. I I don't I've maybe seen her look bad once. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that was her fault. Um, also, Carla Kloss, she was wearing Stella, Stella McCartney. Okay. She looked good as well. Those were my, my top picks for best dress. Yeah, um, and I really didn't have that much more with women. I just kind of gave, um, and I, and I, and, mm, 
Well, I, this dress could have worked. The Luciana Barros, or whatever her name is, Matt Damon's wife. She had, her dress was cute. I can give her that. And I also liked um, Chrissy Terrigan's outfit. Uh, uh, it would have worked better if it wasn't, if she was a little bit darker, maybe. But I, I liked the dress. Um, and I also um, liked um, Octavia Spencer's dress. It was kind of cute for the night, for what that was. And I liked that. And I feel like men was hard because they always wear these suits. So... Um, and Ava DuVernay, I liked hers too. That was kind of nice and great. It was a grand look to it. I did, yeah. She looked like royalty in that, mm-hmm. and I liked how structured it seemed like it felt because mm-hmm. it was very, um, especially the top and versus the bottom was uh, more ball gown. Yeah. See, I kind of like that. The men were okay. I I like you know, um, Captain America. You know, Chris, his his little blue outfit, cause it it makes him really pop such his eyes, so they look really nice. Uh, and then Marshall Ali, I always said his name wrong, but he looked so good in his suit, and I was ready to jump on stage and like touch him. So he he just he's a very good looking man. I was just like, Lord, it just doesn't make any sense why he's so pretty. Especially in that, uh, did you see that spread of him in GQ? With the the papa that yellow yeah, I was like that this man invented that color like I know he's trying to get get me pregnant and get me in trouble you know so it's just a lot going on with that <laughs> and Dev Patel I mean he he's he just always looks cute to me I don't know what it is about him he's too skinny for me but I will still take him though <laughs> yeah uh, I think those were my my top three. Yeah. As far as men, but then let's get up. So the show, the show itself wasn't. I didn't get to see all of it because I was at the gym and I was also busy and stuff. But I got to see some of it in the gym. <laughs> a lot of us did, and I just thought that it was. It stays long. I like that they got they they kind of got out there with a few punches, and I liked um, that you know some of the speeches were good, and I can't remember her name. But she was talking about um, her background. I think her background was Muslim. I, I can't remember. Oh, man, her name slipped my mind. But she had a good speech about, you know, being here, what it is to be a person. And I like that these speeches were they were political, but not over the top to where it was like, okay, you're just doing this to be seen. But it was more that they were doing it to make sure things were heard. And I really enjoy Viola's speech. Viola needs an Academy Award just for her speeches. Because, my God... Like she can, cause she's come. She's actually coming to Kentucky, I mm-hmm. think Thursday, mm-hmm. and I wish I could be able to see her. What's, but, she, what's like, she doing um, in Kentucky? What's she? She's doing a speech for I think some like the student conference or something like that. Oh, wow. um, I'm like, damn, she'll be in here. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, Viola, her speeches are always good, mm-hmm. and it's just. You can't help but feel inspired, mm-hmm. no matter you know your nationality or your sexuality or mm-hmm. your gender. You just feel inspired whenever she speaks. Yeah, and it was pretty good because I liked I like how when she went how she stood there, and that look that she gave, and it was just like oh my god that's amazing that's amazing. 
Um, so I enjoyed her speech. And then when um, Herschelot won, I loved his speech because it was about, because, you know, he's making history as the first Muslim winner. Um, and what he had to say, um, and I was like, he deserved this and he deserved that moment. I really appreciated that. Um, but I will say what struck me the most as we were jumping around with speeches was, I don't know if you noticed this, but when um, Casey Affleck won and Brie Larson was, she announced it, her face, but also when she stepped back, she was not, yeah. she, she wasn't clapping for him. I caught that. Yeah, I saw the, the screenshot. She knew the jig was up and she was, <laughs> Brie wasn't having it. And I, I, she had tweeted me or uh, one day about uh, something. Um, but yeah, Brie is woke and she wasn't standing for that. And a lot of people are comparing uh, Casey to uh, what happened to Nate, mm-hmm. Nate Parker. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so if we, if people weren't showing up for Nate, why all of a sudden we're showing up for Casey Affleck? Because mm-hmm. I saw, I read some of the the reports of what happened on set, and he was uh, telling set men to show women uh, their penises to, towards them, or it was just like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Y'all, I mean, y'all not making any porn. This is a drama. Yeah. He's, I don't know. It was just. I saw some of the reaction to the uh, in the crowd, like Denzel. He was like, "I'm not clapping for this motherfucker." <laughs> um, when he mentioned, I said that laugh when he mentioned Denzel's name, and then Denzel's sitting there like, "Bitch, if you don't take take my name out, right? Now. now why your bitch ass don't mention my name?" I know, I know, and you know, I saw this movie, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, it was a, it was an interesting movie. It wasn't like mediocre, but it was interesting. Um, and I understand why he was nominated. I don't know if I felt that he could have his performance would have beat um, Denzel's because Denzel was just it was just mind blowing in fences. Um, but I did notice. But a little bit about Brie. Brie is a she's a supporter and fighter for women who have been abused and sexually assaulted. And so that's something she's passionate about. So when she did that, I was like, okay, I see what I had, I had to Google all this. And then I think Buzzfeed put something up about it too, um, where they talked about that. And I was like, cause she's not clapping. Like she's basically like, get out of my face. And then there's a great picture of Viola Davis next to him. Look at, <laughs> look, right. at look at him. <laughs> like, I, we didn't ask for you. Why are you up here with me? Why are you taking away my spot? Like, you know, it's it was very telling, and also the theme of of this show was very telling about how people felt about whiteness. You know, like it felt like that it was like this is not really here for that. Um, and I don't know if I was just looking at Twitter a lot to see the responses, but it was very interesting to see like when you know because at one point in the night La La Land was not winning anything, and it was looking really good. I was like, hey, you went nothing. And then when it came to cinematography. I was like, to me, it's either Lion or Moonlight because I don't see how La La Land. La La Land, to me, personally, is like another, it's like a a knockoff of Moulin Rouge in, in Chicago. That's how I look it's like at it. It's like a wannabe scene in the rain. Yeah. 
And so I didn't look at that the same way as I looked at Lion, because Lion was amazing, and the cinematography for that was just, oh my God. And Arrival, that was powerful too. And and that was done by a black man, because Bradford Young is his name. Yeah. Uh, and so to see that win, I was like, okay. But I did love the fact that they did not win, the I guess, the screenplay thing, and um, Moonlight took that, because that was, again, I read the script, um, and it was just... I love the way the script is written, and I understand why they won that. Um, but let's talk about that the, the big ass mistake. <laughs> Which one? Because there was two. Personally, they, yeah, go ahead. Because they had uh, in the memoriam, they oh, had Lord. said that somebody was dead and she was well alive. I was like, damn, <laughs> y'all trying to kill folks? I ain't even uh, dead yet. I know, she should have popped up. I'm here, like, she, right. like I'm here, like like New York. I'm here, but bitch, I'm still here, like something. Right. <laughs> she should have did her New York. I would, yeah. I would have. But yeah, let's talk about the the big snafu that was <laughs> the end. So best picture is usually the last award to come out, mm-hmm. and out walks Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty. And that's to say, Faye's face was snatched in a good way. Like, like, you could tell work was done, but it was good work. I like that white that she was wearing. Yeah. She, she was pretty. Um, so, Warren opens the envelope, and he, like, pauses for a second as if he doesn't, like, he can't read it or something. Mm-hmm. And then he shows it to Faye, uh, and then he says, La La Land Warren. Okay, so everybody, I think... Like the whole cast, producers, directors, whatever. They get up on stage. They give their speeches and whatnot. And then one guy says, oh, yeah, we lost. And we was like, what? Yeah. So it turns out Moonlight won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So Moonlight gets up there. Everybody, you know, give their speeches and whatnot. So my thing is, okay, Best Picture is the last award to be given. Backstage, how many envelopes are back there? It should be only one, right? Yeah. So, why, how is there a confusion? Who got La La Land as best picture if technically you're only supposed to have one envelope back there? Yeah, because I think if you saw that they they were they were the receipts were popping up as soon after that when they they, they were showing Warren Beatty holding the, the envelope that had best actress or something like that like he was still holding one that says that so i was like what is going on here and then who who was in charge of giving those out because i feel like if you were at the table with all these things that you're supposed to be at least looking to make sure like is that ready because that's the one that's super important you had one job and that right. one job was make sure that that particular envelope was ready to go because i feel like that uh, that that was a big job. Like, okay, this envelope is ready. Has does it have everything in here? Make sure it's not empty. All right. Okay. Well, we ready to go. Even when you knew the the last thirty minutes, you should have been double checking and be like, okay, is this ready? Is this it? Find a manager. Is this the one we about to send out? Cause I ain't trying to be fired. You know, something like right. That. Like they don't have any tech, uh, no tech rehearsals or whatnot. Yeah. And uh, there was a video. I saw the video earlier today. Emma Stone, after she won for Best Actress, Mm -hmm. she said that she had her own envelope that said that she won. So I don't know what envelope Warren Beatty was looking at because it said that if he was looking at the Best Actress Award envelope, 
then it should say Emma Stone and both it should say her in a bigger font. So mm-hmm. whatever he said really wasn't matching up to what she said. Yeah. And it was just a big it was just a mess that didn't need to be happening. You, you know, you feel bad, well, kind of bad for <laughs> La La Land because they got up on stage thinking that they won, and then yeah. they look at the envelope and like they, they, all their faces is cracking on the ground, and this it is was. supposed to be live TV. Yeah, and, and see, the the funny thing was we were watching it, and as soon as they said La La Land, I turned. I went, okay, I'm done. I went to, I went back. To, I think I was watching Girls, or went back to Girls, or went back to Crashing. I went back. I was like, we're going, we're going back. And then, all of a sudden, I, one of my friends, uh, Christo, I think somebody texted me and told me, they was like, bitch, if you don't, like, did you see this? So I was like, see what? And I come back, and then there's Moonlight on the stage. I'm like, wait, what? I thought, I thought they bum rushed the stage, like, <laughs> like oh no. Like oh, like oh, dirty bastard! Yeah, I thought they buck rushed it, and there's like no, it was a mistake. And then I, I found the YouTube clip, but I, I kind, I kind of felt bad for them because they get up there and they put, they spilled their heart out, and they were so excited. And then it was like, and then that guy was like, oh, by the way, we lost. And I was like, that's rude. Like how, but I did like, um, I think his name was, um, was it Joshua Hollywood? So whatever his name was. Yeah, he said no. This is no joke. But I'm mad because did you see him snatch it, <laughs> snatch mm-hmm. out a whore baby's head? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's. I feel bad for both people because, like, again, you got La La Land looking crazy up there, thinking that they won, mm-hmm. and then that doesn't give the people with Moonlight mm-hmm. like they're just cause for celebration. You know, mm-hmm. both people's like celebrations were kind of tainted yeah. because of somebody else's mistake. Yeah. And then I saw all of these posts and think pieces and <laughs> whatnot. I'm like, first of all, in order to have a think piece, folks, you got to at least think and you're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Number one. Number two, don't invalidate the win from Moonlight by saying like La La Land was this and that and the third. Mm-hmm. It almost... A lot of these pieces were almost viewing Moonlight as the quote-unquote big black man, mm-hmm. and La La Land was like the helpless old white woman. Yeah. It it kind of framed it in that way. And then mm-hmm. I saw some random, I don't know who it was, but he, he tweeted, uh, La La Land is the gay man that I feel like I am, and Moonlight is the black man the gay black men that were inside me and i was like girl what are you doing like it was just ridiculous like oh i was trying to be funny i was like that doesn't even it didn't work it's just that you brought that up because i felt like there was a divide when it came to our community because a lot of land to a lot of gay people were like you know gay people love musicals and we do um but they were really trying to pit the two uh, they were already pit against each other but it was already interesting to see how the white gays were very la la landish and you know and those maybe the the woke whites were like no moonlight but it was very funny to kind of look at how people were like but la la land was this and i was like no if you really look at la la land because i watched the screener it was like and it's funny because if the one scene they used when they were doing best actor for Ryan Gosling was when he was trying to explain jazz. 
And I and I remember that scene just grabbed me the wrong way because here he is trying to explain jazz. That's like him trying to explain how rap and the West Coast got started. Like that's like him sitting there trying to explain how Easy E and all them got together. You know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> And I was like, they used this clip, and I'm like, don't why why would you use that clip? Because he's trying to explain jazz. He's the jazz person. He's the one who's gonna save the day because he, you know, it, it reminded me of that old movie that had Ralph Macchio called Crossroads, where he was this great um, blues guitar player that's gonna give this black man his soul back and save him from the devil. Um, and I'm like, this, I said, that's what La La Land kind of gave me that vibe, and I just felt like it didn't it wouldn't have been a movie of like the movie of the year it's not that thing moonlight moonlight is because moonlight took something and just turned it like it took a a, a gay story and made it so heart felt and so real and so like it was a connection for many of us to where it was like why wouldn't this movie win this movie invoked so much stuff it wasn't there to make you feel good about being white it wasn't there to make you feel good about being mediocre it was good it made you think about there's other stories out there that we're not talking about and i got mad and i say this out loud i i want gay people some gay people were bashing me like say it wasn't all that and it's just, but you know what it is and it will be always the first queer movie to ever be the best movie recipient of Oscar you will not be able to take that away and if y'all wasn't too busy trying to make these these sad ass movies bear week or you know hunting season or whatever these movies about where these white gays go looking for the man of their dreams and they always on growler and grinding and they have to go to a a horror party first and all that stuff. If y'all wasn't too busy trying to tell it from these perspectives multiple times, maybe y'all ass will have a movie that would be Oscar worthy, but you didn't. And so you can hate on it as much as you want, but the truth is this movie won. And it is a queer movie. Right. And I, I just feel if you just look at the plot, look at the plot line or like the, the trailer notes from La La Land and Moonlight, a movie like La La Land is probably told almost every other year. You know, two people that fall in love, yada, yada, yada. You don't necessarily always get a story like Moonlight to come around. Not to only come around, but to be popular. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like because we live in a different time that, you know, new, unique stories need to be told that it deserved that award over La La Land. Yeah. And and, and I feel like that La La Land was a throwback to those 50s and the 60s, but also that kind of, it was a reminder of how we were also pushed out and ostracized. And, our, you know, and they couldn't use us to tell a story about our own music or our own culture. They used white people to do it. That's what this movie reminded me of, and that's why I could not get behind it. And I refused to get behind it because I felt like all that was was just a reminder of the good old days. You know, make a, make make America great again. That great again. That's what Lana Lane kind of said to me. So. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's a lot of the, especially like some of 
the the writers that come out saying that Moonlight didn't deserve it, or um, the only reason Moonlight won was because of uh, Trump's in office, you know, invalidating the success mm-hmm. and everybody's hard work on the movie. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would you do that if La La Land won? Yeah. Or let's say if Denzel had won Best Actor, would you have said that? Yeah. Did you say that about Viola Davis? And so, like, why is it now that a movie that doesn't necessarily have the wealthy white gay <laughs> storyline, yeah. like, now all of a sudden it's tainted? Because let's face it, you know, if it's not about the white gay man and his and his experience of not finding dick, then it's not it's not a, it's not it's not a gut wrenching gay story, you know. Or if it's not about that white gay male coming out and finding himself, then it's not a gay story. So I guess it's just kind of threw all that out the you know out the window. Start right. over, gays. <laughs> and there's so many other stories that we can tell as far as. Um, in the gay community, mm-hmm. you know, there's, it's just not about the finding love and whatnot. I mean, granted, that's a good story, but yeah. there's other there's things. different stories. There's a lot of other different stories. Struggle stories about our struggling, trying to be, you know, trying to, you know, make ends meet. Trying to, you can talk about a relationship, but trying to have a relationship when you're both broke, you know, something like that. Something that gives us something different. Our lives are not. I mean, our lives are not always fabulous. There is a lot that happens in our lives where I trust issues. Talk about somebody who's dealing with anxiety. Talk about a gay person who's dealing with, you know, moving forward, getting older, moving back home. Something like that. We we got so many stories to tell. Talk about a disabled gay guy. Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw a story like that? Talk about oh. the trans women who are constantly dying. Talk about that. We don't, I mean, I don't, I don't care to hear about how, oh my God, I fell in love with, with Blaine and now we're going to, he doesn't know if he want to be with me because his ex. I'm like, I don't, bitch, I don't care Blaine's about a, that. Blaine's a CrossFit trainer and, you know, <laughs> I sell pieces at Christie's, uh, but. I'm a hairdresser and. Right. We're going to. the Upper West Side, like. And we're going to P-Town this weekend and that's where I find my love of my life. Right, and then next weekend we're going to Fire Island. I'm mm. like, girl, don't nobody, that's not everybody's perspective. It's really not. And you got told, so basically, I feel like what Moonlight did was basically said, okay, y'all call yourself gay movie makers, try again. Mm-hmm. Try again. Woo wee, well, they got me all riled up, but uh, I guess. That's all we had on the tea table today. Oh, and shout out to uh, April Rain. Oh. Because I feel like without her trying to push the envelope as far as inclusion mm-hmm. of black people, Asian people, mm-hmm. Latino people, gay people, disabled people, trans people, you know, Oscar So White mm-hmm. isn't just about black versus white it's about everybody every marginalized voice Mm -hmm. out there that wants and needs a story to be told about them yeah 
And so now I feel like we need to be pushing for you, you know, the disabled, trans, um, Latino and Asian. We need to push for that to be more inclusive, to be more inclusive of them in the stories. Because, again, they have stories, too. Not everybody has to come from a white perspective. And, you know, so. I told April. I told April I owe her a shot of tequila if I ever met her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, okay. Well, we are, we'll be right back for our King Size issues so stay tuned hey we're hashtag all podcasts matter the show about politics you gotta say the whole thing hashtag all podcasts matter the show about politics social issues movie news and counter reviews counter reviews news listen to us on soundcloud itunes and stitcher and if you don't the terrorists win can i say that you can say that all right all right, we're back, and we have our king size issue where we're going to talk about this movie, Get Out. <laughs> so yeah, what was your your initial thoughts oh, of Get Out? You know, I overall I loved it, and it gave me a little bit of Stepford Wives tease. Like you know, it gave me a little bit of that. Um, this town, the people, um, and how that, you know, how they reprogram or change these people to be these things. I, the first scene took me out a little bit because it was, it was that neighborhood and it's that fear of any of us if we walk around a white neighborhood. I think about when I, in my town in Union City, Tennessee, if I was more afraid to walk around a white neighborhood at night than I was in my own neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's like that that old uh, adage, you know, you got to be in your house by, you know, a certain time. Otherwise, you know, you don't know what's lurking behind mm-hmm. the corners or around the corner or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, even to this day, hell, if I'm even in my own neighborhood and this is predominantly like families, Latin families and whatnot, but I'm making a point. You know, not to wear a hoodie or not to wear uh, like a hood mm-hmm. because I don't want to get I don't want to have the police roll up on me and feel like I'm a threat, which more often than not, they feel like I'm already am. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really identify with that, that initial scene and especially the juxtaposition of him getting taken and then that happy music plan. Yeah, that was creepy. That was yeah, that was very creepy. Because that was his that was his hunting music. You know, that that was what he that was his goal was to go and hunt this black man and you know, get him for this, you know. And y'all, we give him spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, you know, you get up off that couch <laughs> and go and see this movie. Right. But um it's like that scene was like, okay, we we see what we about to deal with. But um, you know, we then we get into the characters we got and you know we get into um chris i think it's chris washington and rose arnimage and you know they go to see her parents and you know it, i'm thinking like you know she's cool he's cool you kind of know they're going to get into some madness but i kind of i was i i believe that she was kind of cool and you know especially when they confronted the cop on their way there yeah let's get into that scene with the the cop so mm-hmm. 
Um, they're driving along, and a deer that looks like it just was just thrown yeah. across the street. Uh, they a deer uh, hits the car, so they call the police. And meanwhile, before this happened, Rose was driving. Mm-hmm. So the officer asked to see Chris's license, and Rose was like, he wasn't even driving. It was like, oh, it's standard procedure. You know, he's given the same old mm-hmm. BS that's always happened. And she made a firm like, no, this doesn't need to happen. Mm-hmm. And if I'm the person who's driving, then I'm the only person that you should see their ID. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and he kind of was taken aback because here is a white officer using his power but then it was a white woman who was challenging his power and it's usually you know if she hadn't been there you know god knows what would have could have happened yeah because it makes me think about sandra bland because you know she challenged the cop and then we saw Mm -hmm. what happened with that so it was interesting to see it from a white woman oh a white woman's perspective how she does it it was like that apple care moment <laughs> that's how, I was, that's how right. I, it was her apple care moment that kind of put him like we can't do nothing because she can probably have family who's powerful or whatever um but it made me really think about how we do go through that a lot I, it made me remember when one time i had a hidden i had somebody hit me a drunk driver hit me and the cops came um and the cop asked me, are you in a gang? And I said, do I look like I'm in a gang? And he said, he said, oh, this is the standard procedure. I said, it is? Really? To ask me if I'm in a gang? Okay. I just got hit, but you asking me, am I in a gang? I was like, right. I said, I don't have any tattoos. And I was thinking, is it because of my hair? Because I had my locks down. I was like, is it because of my hair? I mean, I, so I'm really taken aback by this particular question. And he was like, no, no, I guess I was wrong. I was like, yeah, I, I guess you are. You can look all through my car. You won't see nothing that would give you gang, but it give you gay, but it won't give you gang. <laughs> so that scene made me think about that, like how, you know, like, wow, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. They will ask you or assume you in these roles. Yeah, it's whenever we, like the few times that we've been stopped, I wasn't driving, but it just, it's scary because I don't know what could happen and it could be framed in a way that if something were to happen, then it would be my fault. Mm -hmm. Even if I was with uh, my partner. Yeah. Yeah. So then we get into, they get to the house and I'm not going to lie. I've always had a little small crush on Bradley Woodford. So he looked kind of good as the dad in this one. Um, and Kathleen Keener, which some of y'all may remember her from Forty Year Old Virgin, um, but you know, you know, they seem everything seems to be cool. But I knew something about the mother was something because she was just so. How do I like just something about the way she is, and it made me also think about. And I'll speak on this a little bit later about how the uneasiness of white women and how that something about her was very interesting because they, they're very inquisitive but they also use that against you if they can um, and so that was something that kind of struck me like she's somebody to watch but then when they saw um, Georgina um, who was kind of the, the maid who was the maid and then the house 
keeper, another the the yard keeper. I don't know what his name was. The groundskeeper. Yeah, the groundskeeper. Uh, I was just like Walter. That was his name. I was just like, um, okay. And they try to say, well, that's because, you know, when they family was here, they couldn't break away from. Them. I was like, okay. Right. And you felt like something was already off because it seemed like those two had stepped out of the 50s. Mm-hmm. I got that. Oh, they're still trying to do that. That yes, master. That, oh, that cooning shit. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's what they do. I was like, okay, so whatever. Yeah, I had already wrote them off mm-hmm. when uh, the the initial sequence of meeting them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then we got into the other family member, the brother, Jeremy, who was, he plays a creepy person. He always played creepy people, but he was just kind of like the annoying frat boy, you know. Does he always look like he's just got off a bender? <laughs> yeah. God, he just looked rough. <laughs> I'm like, damn, like even scrubbed up, you look rough. Yeah, like he he plays these roles. Anytime he does something, he always has that look of like, like some, <laughs> like it's funny because he was Banshee on in the, on the first class X Men first class, but he always have that vamp like he looked like he could be like a, a vampire or something <laughs> like he just looks kind of, uh, sickly. Yeah, <laughs> but it worked for him, and you know he was kind of annoying because type of way talking about like the way you're built and the way you know your background you should be able to do these I'm like oh, okay I was like alright right you know it's a, we'll touch on this a little bit more um that those little comments mm-hmm. like oh yeah. yeah those microaggressions oh I would have voted for Obama a third time mm-hmm. like oh I have a, a lot of black friends it's like that girl we know that you're comfortable with black people or as so you want us to us make us believe that you're comfortable with black people it's just overly obvious that you're not comfortable with black people if mm-hmm. to say those things like i the white people i know don't have to say those things mm-hmm. so once i run into somebody who does say that you know you kind of tilt your head and it's like, oh, okay, so you're one of those kind of people that think like that. Mm-hmm. Like, they say those things, and they don't realize how they how it comes across. And they think they're saying, oh, but I love everybody. You know, mm-hmm. that, those type of comments. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's annoying. Yeah. And we can almost uh, talk about it in the sense of, if you know, if, you know you're gay and whatnot. If a straight person say, oh, such and such is gay, like, bitch, I don't know him. <laughs> like, how, like all, all of a sudden, all the gay people have, like, tails or flags that notifies of being gay. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's so tiring when you have to go through that. Yeah. So then, um, we kind of hit on some of the, the big points. I think what really got me was when Chris talked with the mother, Missy, and when she put him in the sunken place. 
and that's where I was like, that's that thing to me was the the trust issues we have with white women because we can tell you know we can say we don't want to do this we want to do this and they and she did what she thought was best and so she basically took upon herself to do what was best for for him and when I saw how she did that that was kind of freaky to me because I'm like it, it just gave me that vibe of she's in control and that's what she because she thought that was for the best let me take control of this of you and because that's what's that's what's best and that's what I got from that scene yet the sunken place I think to a certain extent everybody has that kind of that place where we feel helpless Mm -hmm. whether you know no matter the background and you know our outward appearance might say something else but you know deep down we might be crying inside we might be angry inside we might be just falling apart so i feel like it was very invasive of her to do that little hypnotist trick Mm -hmm. excuse me uh it was like i'm nervous that anybody drinking tea around me now (laughs) even though i'm right now drinking tea (laughs) yeah it was like wow that that's interesting and i just felt like and just that scene of him sinking down or, you know, and being trapped. It's like, what can you do? But it was interesting that, you know, when he thought it was a dream that, you know, it, it actually wasn't. Because I think um, I think he would talk to Walter, the groundskeeper, and he was like, how did you feel last night? And it was like he, because that scene about when he saw Walter running, and that was kind of creepy too. What kind of run was Walter doing up that run? He said, I was exercising. I'm like, okay. And then that to see run took me out. George, Georgina for watching it, I was like, this is just... Like, you know, like, why did you even go out late anyway in a strange place? Like, I, was, I would sit there and just smoke in the closet or whatever you should have done. Went to the bathroom, opened up the bathroom window and smoked and did it that right. way. Right. Like, why would you go in the country, somewhere you don't know, mm-hmm. somewhere that doesn't have a lot of people... Basically, you're mm-hmm. alone. Yeah, why can't he just go to the yeah. bathroom, open up a window, and, you know, air it out? I also want to take this time to kind of point out um, Chris's friend. I want to talk about, about Rod, because Rod was the the friend that we all need. Somebody who, you know, keeps things real. But I like the fact that he, I like the fact that he was that typical character. It's like, look, there's something going wrong here. I'm going to figure stuff out. And I like that he was like, Doing things that a lot of us would be doing, trying to when you're trying to put pieces together, and I I kind of felt bad for him when he went to the TSA and and talked to Erica, you know Erica Alexander, you know. Right, look at uh, Maxine yeah. Shaw up there. I said, come on, she's still getting work yeah. with that wig though. That, that, that was, we have to love, talk about that wig. I love that. That was a Baps wig right there. I love it. <laughs> But um, I like I like that scene because it was like I thought at one point she was gonna believe him, but then it was funny when she was like I told y'all y'all don't tell me I won't bring y'all nothing. <laughs> but he had but his but his stuff was solid though. Like if you listen to it, it was all solid. Like it would have made me like think like okay let's let's go look at this because that, that make you know this town and people disappearing and they didn't put that scene in there about that part. But I do like the fact that he was on point. And that was all I kept thinking was if he and Peaches from 
Dirty, like low down, dirty shame. Got to go. Low down, shame. <laughs> that will be that will be True Detective season three because those two right there will solve every mystery on earth. That's a that's a Netflix series. Right yeah, there. that is a Netflix series. Um, but oh, let's get into that party though. That party was whack. I've been ready to go right after that. I've been sitting like, okay, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. because all these white people showed up. And then when I saw that black man, what, what he was wearing made me think of Stepping Fetched. I was like, why is he wearing this right. outfit? And then with that woman, and I was thinking, is she rich? Because you can almost say, well, maybe she got some money, and maybe he just decided that well, I want to be taken care of. But I was like, mm, but no, that's not, no, not with this woman. And the way she was talking to him, um, but I like when he took a picture of this guy because you know, he just couldn't believe this guy was dressed like this. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the thing that changed well, let's, everything. Let's go back to see when uh, Chris was going around getting introduced to the folks. Oh, yeah. He had the, the couple that said, oh, uh, such and such likes Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. I'm I was like, like, what? He loves Tiger. I'm like, I'm like okay, then. But you know, those little things that mm-hmm. folks say, especially older white folks. Yeah, because they do say some silly stuff as if they've never seen black people or like they don't understand how to be around black people yeah. or you had the woman that said oh is it true about yeah uh, about black folks basically she was asking about is he good in bed mm-hmm. um, I'm like girl you know, do you have those folks it was just a lot of we we see these things and we deal with these things in the real world. So it was good that uh, Jordan highlighted them mm-hmm. uh, in the movie because those are real real world things that not only as black people deal with, but gay black black people deal with. Yes, because we do deal with people like automatically assuming that all of us are tops, that we well endowed, that mm-hmm. we're going to give them some mandingo sex and. That is always assumed. I can't tell you how many times. I remember I put, I put that I I was I'm gonna put that I'm a bottom just to see what happens. And even though I put that in my in my growler profile, I still got people talking about. Please top me, blah blah blah. I'm like I just said that I was a bottom. I just put that there, and you just saw black. You didn't read nothing else, and and that that is a reminder that that's how we are seen and. That scene was a lot because I think about times where I've been in all white spaces and somebody, in order to have a conversation with me, would say something like, ooh, I I love Tina Turner. Or, you know, I'm like, okay. Right. There's been this many a time that I'm one of the few black people around in the room. Mm-hmm. And I try not to pay it any attention because a lot of the white people that I'm around, I mm-hmm. know. And I know that they're not racist, yeah. but it's those things like once it's in there, then it starts to fester and build and you keep being, you keep reminding yourself that, oh, these people really don't get me, yeah. but you feel, I think that's my own insecurities talking and being louder than the actual truth. Yeah. So that was very, um, very interesting to watch and the point but you know Chris was still, still trying to keep his cool you know throughout this entire time um, but I think when he took a picture of that guy it kind of made him start thinking like what's really going on here because this is just too odd 
Um, right. And then I think when, um, I think it hit him when, I think when, you know, Rod talked to him, like, you know, it's time for you to get out of here, you know, because I think after seeing what happened with that guy, and I think that, yeah, he's feeling uncomfortable and everything else, he was just ready to go. And Rose, you know, again, here I am still believing, you know, she's down with him at this point. But then that scene where they show them bidding on Chris. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on at first. I was mm-hmm. like, what's going on? Why, who's playing bingo without any noise? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. They are actually bidding on this person. And it reminded me of, you know, the times that we read about how slave masters would bid on their slaves. Mm-hmm. It kind of alluded to that fact. So, and then when the blind guy won him, I was like, oh, that's that's what's going on. Yeah. It didn't hit me until, like, damn near the whole thing had ended. And also made me think about the whole picnic. Because that was like a picnic. You know, it made me think about, like, how the the whole, the, I won't call it an urban legend of picnic, but how picnic is supposed to be pick a nigger and how... That was done over food and wine, and that's what it was. Y'all pick this nigga and what you you want. And it it made me squirm a little bit um, because the guy that I'm talking to is white, and even he was squirming. He was like, this is kind of hard for me to watch um, just because he's like, they're really bidding on this man, you know, on his life, to take his life, to be theirs. And that was another thing that kind of made me, that kind of hit me that this is not about them being good people. This is about them taking his life so it can be theirs. Right. Basically, they were harvesting him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. into being something else for them. And then um, let's get into Rose because Rose, that that was the ultimate betrayal. I really thought that she was like, I'm trying to get my keys. When they were trying to get out and the the brother... Oh my god, I was so I was so pissed off. I felt like I was being betrayed. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, Rose is going to help him get out. You know, Rose doesn't know anything about this. But when he found them pictures, yes. I said, oh, bitch. I was like, no. I said, oh, because I was rooting for that little white girl, too. <laughs> Marnie from Girls. But yeah, I was... I was I was like no I said maybe that was but then the sad thing was I caught myself thinking maybe this is not what we think and I was like no why am I doing that why am I trying to you know create an escape route for her why am I trying to make her, trying to help her escape and I was like oh my god I can see that that churning of how whiteness plays because you you really find yourself like trying to give this white woman an escape route and I'm like no and then when she said when she said. Um, I'm not gonna let you out of here. I'm like, oh my goodness. Right. That, I was like, Tyra Banks, we were rooting for you. We were yeah. all rooting for you. Yeah. And so, but, go ahead. This is that card. This struck me odd. Okay. So, Rose was looking for the keys. Chris was asking for the keys. He asked her for those keys like damn near 10 times. <laughs> Why didn't he just march his little self up there and grab the keys? Mm hmm. I know they were trying to build suspense, but mm-hmm. that just—I don't know. It was one of those things yeah. that that didn't really need to happen, but it needed to happen for theatrical sense. Mm-hmm. But Rose, yeah, but Rose betrayal brings back the whole 
trust in white women because that right there was to me the big voice of how we do feel about white women how they will betray you at the at the most interesting times and that was like the most interesting time again you think about Emmett Till you think about how these women voted for Trump you think about um, hell Taylor Swift <laughs> to some degree how these white women have when it is at their interest they're right there but the minute that their interest is threatened you're under the bus and that right there was just that moment of like yes white women it sends that message why women can't be trusted and I don't want to say that that it's real but it sends that message because that was like basically she gave the ultimate portrayal we knew the family was up to something but she gave the ultimate portrayal to a lot of us when she did that to him mm-hmm. exactly mm. but I did like the fact that when he figured it out um, but I thought it was cool when, when the mother did that three taps on that glass and he just fell I'm like oh my god yeah that was scary that was so scary yeah cause I was like that could happen to anybody <laughs> be like well shoot could that happen anytime or something um, but I liked that when he got when they found out the story and that to me struck me how the grandparents are now living in the in the bodies of those of the black of Georgia Georgina and Walter yeah that highlighted to me that reference back the uh, in, a, in a historical sense how white people had owned black people down to like everything to their bodies to their land to their kids to you know every sense of the word and so for mm-hmm. them to basically have these these black bodies as I don't even know like like I'll, like I'll say again harvest their grandparents it was just ill. It was so creepy, and not even in a sense of, you know, blood and guts, that it was more creepy in a more psychological Mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. It reminded me of the movie Skeleton Key, where they, something like that kind of happened, where I think the, well, it was different. I think the the people, the, the, the help were basically... You know, taking they use witchcraft to take over people's bodies, but it gave me a little bit of that. But it, this was like interesting to see, like you know, their grandmother and grandfather was still with them in the bodies of these people, um, and then to see what the, the procedure was to do it was kind of creepy too. Um, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was <laughs> creepy too. Yeah. But let's talk about how Chris escaped because I didn't see. I was like, how is he going to get out of here? Mm-hmm. So he takes the cotton or the the foam inside the chair and mm-hmm. stuffs it in his ear mm-hmm. and basically kills the brother. Yeah. With a, I think it was some kind of statue or like some kind of circular statue or whatever. Yeah. Bashes his head in. Well, yeah, well, at that point, he I guess he just knocked him out because the brother came back. But um, right. he did that, and I guess, you know, for him not to hear it, I guess I was able for him to kind of get out of it. But I, I like that he was smart enough to figure that out. Um, but it also made me think about how in the sunken place, 
it made me think about how like as black people we are resilient to it when we go deep or under we know how to get out um we know how to get over from being under basically and i like that message because it was like you can put us all the way down we will still find a way to get out and i like that he was able to do that and move forward and then he killed the father with the deer <laughs> the deer head um, right that um, was oof. Yeah. i didn't expect him to kill him like that mm. actually i didn't expect him to kill anybody yeah but he was, you know, he had, there was no other way. It was like, get out. He has to get out by any means. And the mother, that was interesting, too, because he got that cup. I was like, yes, when he took that cup away. <laughs> but that was interesting that that cup has so much power, though, when you think about it. Yeah, get, get Chip away from her. Yeah, get that tea from her. <laughs> did, did he, like, I didn't, we didn't see how he killed her. Did he cut her with that, uh, I don't know what that was, a pen or? Like a. Like a letter opener, I th- I think he did. Okay, because it was kind of out of frame. Yeah. How uh how he killed her, but he killed her. Um. So then he's out the house, and he hits Georgina. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. And I felt like that was when she was in the way trying to get out. That was her actual self mm-hmm. trying to get out. Yeah. And. Uh, going back to when um, he kept on finding his phone um, unplugged and when she kind of started talking to him and started getting closer and closer and then she started crying Mm -hmm. that was her old self trying to get itself out of the sunken place but Mm -hmm. the the hypnosis was too strong but anyway going back going forward uh, he hits her and then Rose's ass comes out with a looks like an AK-47 yeah. and starts shooting and she, gosh she couldn't shoot anything so they come and they they hit a tree or whatever mm-hmm. and I thought at first he should have left Georgina it should have just been get out as fast as you can mm-hmm. but you know Chris being Chris you know, tried to save everybody. And I thought he was going to, she was going to somehow revert back to her old self. Mm-hmm. But she didn't. Yeah. And then um, with Rose, like, it, I thought it was interesting when to see how she is when she's by herself. Like, she was eating a, a, a apple jack, not a whole apple jack, but like one, <laughs> like one apple jack and then drinking the milk for sips. Uh, at a time right. and I was like wow she's one of what is that what is that OCD like she's one of those people but uh-huh. psychotic too <laughs> so it was kind of interesting to see that but then when she came for him um and then you know that fight happened and then when Walter came into the picture um he used that that trick again and it worked um and, and Walter saved the day basically but I did get worried when he was trying to choke her, and the cops showed up. So I was like, "Oh no!" Because listen, I said, "Oh shit!" When the cops showed up, I was like, "Damn, this ain't gonna end well." No, because she can. That's why she was smiling. So she was thinking that, "Oh, I can just say, I'm a helpless white woman, and he attacked me." Uh huh. But it turned out to be good old Rod. <laughs> See, Rod was best friend of the year. Yeah. And then he got in the car, and that was it. 
you know, not to mention Walter blew his brains out. Yeah. And I think that was, after seeing that, that was the only way out for him, him and Georgina, is mm-hmm. if they, they had to die. Yeah, and that, that because, was sad. Because there was the only, their old self was so far gone that it would have been, even if they lived, they wouldn't have been the same person. Yeah. And and it made me think about like will they like in, as they were driving away will they come back will they go back to this town again it made me think about step for wives because if the step for wives was the step for wives and it was step for husbands and there was step for children, um, and there was step for husbands like there there was so many different versions I can't remember but it made me think like will they go back because I know that one black guy is still there and then what happens to the other black men that have been there because we didn't see anymore. So it made me wonder, like, what happened, you know, to them, and will this town be known, you know, like, will this be one of the X Files go and visit, like, you know, is that type of <laughs> town? It was so many questions, but I, I, but in all, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was something new in a way. I mean, the story was not completely new, but it was kind of that new twist to it all. But I loved the fact that it proved that as black people, we can create and change the narrative when it comes to horror films or thrillers. And I feel like this is proof because it made a lot of money. Yeah, I think um, as far as the ending, it was very open-ended. So I, I don't. I hope they don't do a Get Out 2 yeah. only because I think it might somehow dilute the success and mm-hmm. the originality of mm-hmm. the first one, if they do one. Um I feel like, as far as horror, because we talked about this uh, in the earlier podcast, that horror doesn't necessarily always mean blood and guts. I think the most scariest things are what we think mm-hmm. or what we can't think. And I like that it showed, it highlighted that racism is scary. Yeah. Especially to the the party that's being affected. Yeah. Yeah. And screw the person who wrote that stupid article that I think it was, I can't even, I don't know if it was in the New York Times to say that we now see that racism is scary. I'm like it's always been terrifying. And it was terrifying. Like it's always been right. terrifying. People die for this. But yeah, I I don't want a sequel. I like that this was the type of movie we got. I kind of want to leave it out there in the, in in the stratosphere in the sense of what we think how everything goes. Um, but I, I thought it was a great movie. It's a nice twist. It wasn't it wasn't silly. It wasn't something they was trying to you know, they weren't trying to play on a haunted house or, you know, this monster or something it was something totally different. It was the monsters were the people and what they thought was what they thought was being normal and keeping things great was horrifying. It's almost reminiscent of uh the Twilight Zone episode Monsters Are Due on Maple Street mm-hmm. if anybody's seen that one uh, it's what we can do as far as towards each other mm-hmm. how fucked up and terrible we can be um, I didn't know Jordan Peele had this in him honestly <laughs> I thought he was strictly gonna be yeah. funny but this was definitely it came out of left field yeah and, I, and, I, and that's why I like it. That's why I want to know more. Um, 
you know, when it comes to people of color during horror, um, I think about just there's just so much more we need to see, and so many like that's why I look at like I look at some of the the horror websites of like who's making the movies and who's doing what. It's always these white guys and. I feel like that we, I've never really seen a black person really do this, but they are out there, and I would love to see more of that. And I know for those of you who like horror and stuff like that, you know, check out Graveyard Sister as well as um, Scream Squad because they kind of talk about a lot of these issues. But I also feel like that the more we are involved in doing this, the more we can probably change things when it comes to good horror. Um, so... You know, congratulations to Jordan Peele for this movie. This was great. If y'all have not seen it yet, y'all need to go out here and see it. Yeah, and if you have seen that, go out and see it again. Yep. All right, well, I guess that is our episode this week. Yes, it is. If uh, Follow us on Twitter. We are at Pod and Megashane. You can rate, like, comment, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. You can follow my personal account, Porter Bazaz, or Victor's personal account, Wonderman5 on Twitter. Uh, uh, let's see. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Um, well, you know, y'all have a good week. Stay out of trouble. Don't try to come after somebody else's man. And make sure you pay people back what you owe. <laughs> Get that money up front, y'all. Because <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> you're going to be calling folks out on Facebook. Bye, y'all. Bye.